So glad that you were here. We are in a five-week series called The Book of Daniel. This is week number two, week number two of our Daniel series. And so we're looking to see uh, what the Lord wants to speak to us through this book. Um, one of the things that we are asking is how do we be a Christian in a world that sometimes is not very Christian? Have you, no- have you ever noticed that sometimes the world is not very Christian? Anybody? Okay. And so how are we supposed to do that? So we look at the book of Daniel, which is a great story, really the whole book that tells us a little bit about this, uh, because Daniel and uh, several of his Hebrew friends grew up and lived the majority of their life uh, from teenagers on in an, uh, well, let's just say it, an evil kingdom of Babylon. And so they had to live life as godly men, but yet the evil kingdom wants them to do certain things that they're not very comfortable with doing, and that's what we're talking about here today. It's lessons that we can learn. Maybe some of you kids or teenagers, you go to school, and the conversations that you hear and what's going on, you're like, that's not exactly Christian. And so you're like, how am I supposed to go to school? How am I supposed to listen to this all day? Some of you adults, you go to work, and you got things going on. you got friends wanting you to do this and do that. How am I supposed to be a Christian? Um, while living in this world. And so that's the question that we're going to ask today. And so we're going to be looking in uh, the book of Daniel chapter 3 and chapter 6. So if you want to turn, uh, you can go ahead and do that. We're looking at two stories here today. It's family service. Let's just do two stories, okay? Two stories, and it's probably the two most famous stories in the book of Daniel. There was, there's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Raise your hand if you heard that story before. All right. And then there's also the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Raise your hand if you ever heard that story before. All right. Which story is your favorite? Who says the fiery furnace? I like, that's my favorite story. Fiery furnace. Okay. Who says Daniel in the lion's den? Yeah. <laughs> My children will always be children. (laughs) We're going to look at both of these stories here today. Now, there's three lessons that we're going to learn here today, and really that we learn every week that we're talking about Daniel, three lessons. And the first lesson is how we started off. Despite what it may look like, God is in control. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Despite what it may look like, God is in control. So from time to time, we will go through our life, and there are people in authority or people who are ruling And they're not being very good. They're not being Christian. They're not this. And so we say that they are on a throne, which means temporarily they are in charge for a while. So they're on a throne, but we believe that God is always on the throne. And that's the thing that we want to remember uh, as we go through this story. So let's look at both these stories. We're going to tell the stories at the same time a little bit. So it's going to be pretty interesting. All right, here we go. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, somebody help me out. How do you say that? Nebuchadnezzar, what? (laughs) King Nebuchadnezzar, exactly, just rolls off the tongue. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 60 cubits wide, and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So there was this evil King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the king that came in and wiped out Judah. Uh, brought back Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to live with him. And so he builds this giant idol of himself. Arrogant much? Okay. That's just uh, kind of what he does. He builds, this, builds this, uh, this idol up. Then the herald, verse 4, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. 
As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So a couple things here. I think that the way that the Bible describes kind of what's going on here, because in the verses before it says all the leaders of Babylon, these governors and what they call satraps, these different people come up, and then you hear the horn and the flute and the zither and the lyre. I think what the Bible is trying to say is that what this man is doing and what men many times do is they pump themselves up to be this big deal, this, this uh, huge event. Everybody look at me, and we got all this music that's playing. Uh, and the Bible is, is almost mocking it a little bit, like you think you're so great, but we all know that our God is in control. And so that's what he's kind of saying here. So I don't know if, if we do this, the, the horn, the, the flute. Blake, do you play the zither? Do you play that? Okay, he's, he's going to play the zither for us next week, I think. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> of course you do. All right, so they're playing uh, all this stuff. He says, when, when we play the music, everyone bow down and worship this. Now, okay, worship is supposed to be you voluntarily want to do that. It's not really worship anymore if you're commanded to do it. You have to do this. But that's what they say. So in the next couple of verses... There are these men who do not like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they notice that when the music starts, they do not bow down and worship this idol. And so what do they do? They go and they tattletale. Have you ever had somebody tattletale on you? Have you ever been the tattleteller? All right. So these people, they're going to go and they're going to tattletale. They're going to tell on the king. Verse 12. So we're going to skip to verse 12. But there were some Jews, he's telling the king this, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and pay, he, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. He says, we saw it. We heard the music. We bowed down, and those three didn't. And they're pointing the finger at them. They're not doing what you told them to do. Verse 13, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? So now they're in the principal's office, okay? I'm not going to ask who has been sent to the principal's office. Or maybe I should. No, I'm not. Here they are in the principal's office, and they're like, Why aren't you doing this? What's going on? Verse 15. Now when you hear the sound... Of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Isn't this the attitude of kings and cultures here today? I've said what I've said, no one is going to be able to save you. And so you see the problem that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have. Sometimes it's a problem that we even have today. You do this or there's going to be consequences. And sometimes we hear this from a world here today. Do this or there's going to be consequences. Accept this ideology 
or there's going to be consequences. Do what we tell you to do. Listen, everybody is doing this, okay? And so you say, uh, you know, everybody's going out and get drunk. So do this or we're not going to be your friends anymore. Um, we're all talking bad about our mom and dad. Come and join in. What don't you like about your mom and dad? Join with us. Do this or we're not going to be friends anymore. We get, we get pressured by the world to do things that we know are not right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that it was not right to bow down to another god. But we get pressured from this culture to do things that we know are not right. And so sometimes we get in, in the middle of this, maybe we're at school, we're at work, or we're somewhere, and we're in that moment and we kind of tense up and we're like, what am I going to do? Man, I want to have friends. I don't want to be seen as a weirdo. So do I do that? Maybe just don't mean it, you know? What do I do? And so that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. All right, let's jump to the next story. Daniel chapter 6, which believe it or not, this story takes place like 45, 50 years after the furnace story, okay? Sometimes we think everything's real close. This is like 50 years later. There's a new king. There's a new everything, okay? So there's this king named Darius, and this is verse 1, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So here's how Darius set it up. You've got all the people here, and then here's 120 satraps, whatever that is, satraps, and uh, they're going to rule over all the people. And above those 120 satraps, there's going to be three people, and then I, King Darius, are going to be on top. Okay? Well, one of the three people was Daniel. Well, the two over here and the 120 satraps, they didn't like that Daniel was promoted so high. They're like, he's the Hebrew. He's not even one of us. Why does he get so much power here in the, here in the country? That's crazy. Okay? So they're going to go and they're going to try to do something to get rid of Daniel. So verse 6. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said... My king Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors. Once again, the, the pompousness of it all. We're going to get all these people, okay? We have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god before, before, uh, before I'm sorry, anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So for 30 days, we want everybody in the kingdom to worship you. We don't want anybody else to worship any other god. Well, they know that Daniel worships the god of the most high. So they know what they're doing here. Verse 8, now your majesty issued the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians who cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. So there are, is a culture here today that wants you to stop doing things that God wants you to do. They want you to stop going to church. Why do you go to church all the time? Like, what in the world? Why do you even do that? Get up on, give up your Sunday mornings? Why do you, why do you read the, this Bible? That book is so old. Why do you even do that? You pray? Like, is it, like, isn't he a sky fairy up there? Like, he's not real. Like, what are you even praying to? And it, what he's trying to do is trying to get you not... The culture trying to get you to not do what God wants you to do. And isn't that our culture here today? There are people who want you to do the things that God doesn't want you to do. And they want to get you to stop doing the things you know that you're supposed to do. And if you don't, 
there's consequences. Maybe it's a fiery furnace. Maybe it's in the lion's den. Maybe it's we're not going to be your friend anymore. Maybe it's we're not going to give you my business. I don't want to be in business with a Christian. Maybe it's I don't want a Christian on my cheerleading squad, so you're not going to make the team. Maybe it's, it could be a lot of things. But stop or, or do this or stop doing this or there's going to be consequences. So what is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response? What is Daniel's response? And what can we learn from what they do to learn what we do? This is the second lesson that we learn. Our separation from ungodliness. We need to separate ourselves from ungodliness. And we in the church call that holiness. God says to be holy as I am holy. So we are always striving to be godly. We want to move toward God. So let's see what they do. Back to chapter 3, verse 16. Remember, they're standing before King Nebuchadnezzar and he has told them, you will bow down or we're going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I love the beginning of the next sentence as well. But even if he does not, we, will, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. What a stand in front of a king and in front of a culture. It says, you do what you got to do. But we're not doing that. Number one, you are on a throne, but my God is on the throne. And if he wants to save us, he is powerful enough and he is strong enough and he will deliver us from your hand. But what's great about this is that he says, but even if he chooses not to. And that, and that, that lets me know that these people are not just about what you can do for me now. There are some Christians who they want to be a Christian because they want the blessings of God, not because they want God. They want, what can you do for me? And if you can do something for me, then I'll serve you. And, but if the world, if they can do something for me, if they can give me riches and they can do this, whatever, then maybe I'll serve them or whatever. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says, listen, it doesn't matter what you can do or not do for me. I'm serving the Most High God. That's who I'm serving. He is greater than you and any other gods that you want to say. So he can deliver me. He is compassionate enough. He is powerful enough to deliver. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't make any sense for us to worship your false gods that mean nothing. We're going to serve our God. Verse 23, and these men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. You say, but if I don't do what they tell me to do, there's going to be consequences. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were actually thrown into a burning furnace. Let's skip to chapter 6. Now remember, Daniel has just heard that there's a law that you can't pray to any other god. Stop doing that, okay? Verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. So you notice that the decree, the law, did not change Daniel's behavior whatsoever. 
He prayed three times a day before the law. He prayed three times a day after the law. What he says is, you're not going to stop me from praying to my God. Verse 13. Then they said to the king, once again, there's people that are coming to tattle. Okay, they're coming to tattletale. They said to, king, to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you have put in writing. That was just like the Shadrach story, right? He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until the sundown to save him. So this is a little bit of a different part of the story. This king really liked Daniel. And there are sometimes we really like you as Christians and you know we don't want you to happen, but that's the law. We got to follow the law here. You got to do what it says. Verse 16. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So Daniel purposed it in his heart. I'm going to separate myself from ungodliness. You're wanting me to stop my prayer to my God? I can't do that. You want me to pray to somebody else? I can't do that. And Daniel stood firm and he knew exactly what it meant to separate ourselves from sin and ungodliness. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did it. There's the consequences. Daniel did it. There's the consequences. See, when we talk about this separation from ungodliness and this holiness, really it's a two-pronged attack, okay? There's really two things that you're wanting to do. Number one, you're wanting to separate yourself from ungodliness, okay? So you want to move yourself away from sin. That sin, I want to move away from it. But you also want to move toward God, in his holiness. So it's move away from sin and move, and move to God. That's what you're wanting to do, all right? So I got an object lesson here for you, okay? I got a Ziploc bag and I got a cookie. All right, we got to wake the kids up, okay? We got a cookie here. Kids, wake up. We got a cookie. Somebody is leaving today with a Ziploc bag and a cookie in it, okay? So I'm looking to see who's listening up, okay? That's right. Somebody is leaving with a cookie. Juliet, it's not you, neither it's you, Mike, okay? <laughs> Who's going to listen to the sermon here today, okay? Now, how do you open up a Ziploc bag? Well, you tear it apart, right? Have you ever tried to open a Ziploc bag with one hand? You're like, okay, I can't do that. Okay, let me try this hand. Nope, I can't do that, okay? I know, you can kind of wiggle your fingers in there, like I understand, okay? But I'm just saying, when you open up a Ziploc bag... You have to pull that apart. There's two things that are going on here. So you have to pull this way, and at the same time, you've got to pull that way. This shows us um, what holiness looks like. Not only do we pull away from sin, we move away from ungodliness, but we're also moving toward God and what God wants us to do. And many of us, we try to do just one of those things. We'll say something like, okay, I need to get my life right. Uh, I'm going to stop this cussing, okay? I'm just going to stop it. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop, you know, looking at that on the internet. I'm just going to stop it, okay? Here we go. Stop it. And you try really hard, and you're trying to move away from ungodliness, which is good, but you're trying to do it in your own power. And so what happens? You do pretty good for about a week, maybe two weeks. You do okay. But it comes right back because that's all you're trying to do. You're trying to open up a Ziploc bag with one thing. Or you say, I need to get my life right. I need to get my life right. You know what? I'm going to start going to church. Let's go to church. Now, going to church is a good thing. Absolutely. 
but you go to church, but you don't actually turn and repent from the sin that's keeping you in your state. So you go to church and you're like, okay, God, I've been here three times. Can you magically take away the temptation to do that? That's not how that works, okay? You turn away from ungodliness and then you move toward God. That's their holiness. So if we do that, if we pull away from ungodliness and we move toward God, we're able to open up the bag and get the cookie. All right? Now, when I, what I want is whenever you see a Ziploc bag, I want you to think about holiness. Okay? That's kind of the whole deal here. Okay? When you see a Ziploc bag at home, hey, I got to move away from sin. I got to move toward God. Okay? That's what I want you to do. <laughs> Maybe you'll do it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. All right, but that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's what Daniel decided to do. We're going to move away from sin, and we're going to move toward God. And what they found out is the third section that we look at is God is faithful. How many of you know God is faithful? God is faithful. So what happened? Like they said no to the culture. They said no to the king. They said no to this world. You're telling us we have to do this? I'm not going to do this. You're telling me I have to stop doing this? I can't stop doing this. All right, you got to face the consequences. Into the fiery furnace, into the lion's den. What happened? Chapter 3, verse 24. They just throw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Into the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. God was faithful to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, saved their lives. And one of the things is when we choose this life of Christ, when we're faithful to God, he is faithful right back to us. And what I want you to know is sometimes it's not a straight delivery from our problems in the sense of our problems just magically go away, but it's a promise that he's going to walk around in there with us. Okay? And he's going to walk around, and he's, then he'll deliver us from that in this life or the next life to come. But he is faithful to us. So much so that even the kings of the day noticed it. So they brought him out. They said they didn't even smell like fire. Verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They said, you have to do this. They said, no. They said, well, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They said, okay. Thrown in the fiery furnace and God was faithful and saved them. What happened to Daniel? Verse 19. Remember, they just threw him in uh, the lion's den. And he's going to stay there all night. Verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? What an amazing cry from this evil king, really. Verse 21. Daniel answered. First of all, the very fact that Daniel was able to answer. Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. 
So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. <laughs> Daniel, your consequences. You got to stay the night with the lions. Stop praying. Daniel said, no. Well, the consequences, we're going to throw you in there with the lions. He said, okay. He says, I'll face the consequences because my God is bigger. My God is stronger. He can deliver me. Even if he doesn't, I'm still going to live my life to the one true God, not these made-up gods that we find here in the world. I'm going to live for the one true God. And once again, God shows himself faithful to Daniel. Listen, kids, teenagers, growing up in a crazy world, growing up in a crazy world, the world is going to try to convince you to do the things that they are doing. Why? Because they don't feel less as bad if they can get a Christian to do it with them. Okay? They see that you want to be good. They don't want you to act that way because it makes them look bad. So they're going to try to get you to do the things that they're doing. What should your answer be? No. I'm not going to do what this world is telling me to do. Or they'll come over here and they'll tell you to stop doing this. Stop being so good all the time. Stop going to that church. Stop doing this. Why? Because it shines a light on the fact that they are not good. When you are good, when you do the things that God wants you to do, it shows that they are not doing that. And so they're going to try to get you to stop doing the things that God wants you to do. Our answer always to our culture is no. I'm going to do, I'm going to follow what God wants me to do, no matter the consequences. Can we stand this morning? We're going to go into a time of prayer and into a time of worship. And so I want to, I want to open up the altars, but maybe you also want to pray with your mom or dad. Maybe mom and dad needs to pray as well. But you say, you know, sometimes I struggle with this. Sometimes I kind of struggle with the idea of doing what the world wants me to do, even though I know it's not right. Sometimes I struggle with doing what God wants me to do because maybe I'm going to be made fun of. I, I don't know. And sometimes we struggle with that. Let's take a few minutes and pray and ask God that he is faithful to us. And let me tell you something. God will be faithful to you. God will be faithful to you. You stand strong. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like Daniel did. We separate ourselves from sin and godlessness. And we move toward God and what he wants us to do. So can we find a place to pray for a moment? Ready? One, two, three, go. Find a place to pray just for a moment. And pray and talk to the Lord. Say, God, help me. Because sometimes it's hard to say no to the world. Say no to maybe our friends and what they want us to do. Sometimes it's hard to do that. God, I need your help. Help me to move away from sin. Help me to move toward you. And somewhere along the way, I'm going to get closer and closer to holiness, what you want us to be. I'll never fully, fully get there until we meet you in heaven. But I want to move toward that, Lord. God, I pray for our kids, for our teenagers. Come against a, a culture and a world that mocks God and the things of God and tries to get us on their side. I come against that in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would 
put a steadfastness in our kids and our teenagers. That when they go to school, when they hang out with their friends, it's like, fine, if you want to do that, that's your decision. But I say, no. Help us. Help them, Lord. God, for the adults in the room, grandparents, this doesn't, this doesn't just go away once you leave high school or college. This doesn't just leave us. God, I pray for a steadfastness inside of us to say no to a culture and no to kings. First of all, for ourselves, but also to show those coming behind us, our kids and grandkids, show them the way. God, help us to have a steadfastness to say no. Lord, as we pray to you this morning, pray that your presence would fill our lives. And as we go into a time of worship, I pray that we would lift our hands and that we would worship you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name.